Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. It is Thursday night, and if you can hear our voices, you're exactly where you need to be. She is Karen Frazier. I am Rick Hale. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. Welcome. So, Karen. Yes, Rick. How are you feeling? I have a migraine. Migraine? You get those quite a bit, don't you? Um, about once a month, Rick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I used to get them, I used to get them um, about 15 days out of the month. Right. And um, so it's much better than it used to be. Good. Good, yeah, good, I'll good. be fine. I'll be fine. I may burst into tears for no reason, you know, things like that. For, you know, so you know, I may um, accidentally just burst out with swear words. Let's um, try to not do that mm-hmm, tonight. Mm-hmm. There's all <laughs> sorts of things that I I just may do. They're just side effects of migraines, you know. Okay. If you right, hear me hurl? That's part of it, you know. Okay, that's gross <laughs> <laughs> so but you know what that's good radio that is good radio that's right karen puking live on the air Woo-hoo. <laughs> Only so on I, underground radio i understand that you are married to a crazy chicken lady yes i am i think jamie has officially gone off the deep end with her chickens and all thanks to <laughs> rob saint helen or as i like to call him <laughs> el pollo hambre El pollo hambre. Yes, she was out in the she was out in the rain talking to her chickens and making sure they had like warm blankets or something. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? It's Pe- nice. It's compassionate. It is nice. It is compassionate. And uh, but you know what? It could be worse. She could be crazy cat lady. Well, no, that's my friend Jenny Patrick. Why? So- why do I? You know, I saw. I believe that. It, yeah, Jenny is the crazy, the original crazy cat lady, and um, we all know it, and we all make fun of her. I actually have a plan. Have I ever told you my plan to be a crazy cat lady when I'm old? Mm, you probably have, but why don't you refresh our memories? I have my outfit planned. Okay. I'm going to wear the same outfit every day. First of all, I'm going to wear a wig that is askew. Okay. That's necessary. Okay. Then I am going to wear the lipstick that goes outside of my lips and on my teeth and stuff. Okay. My hair will be purple. So you're going to look like a transgender joker then? No, no, no. I'm oh. going to have on, like, you know, one of those kind of old lady moo-moo type dresses, right? Okay. And instead of wearing pantyhose, I'm going to wear knee highs rolled down. I'm going to wear a cardigan, and in the cardigan, there will always be butterscotch in my pockets, and I will keep a Kleenex rolled up in my sleeve. You just described the old lady that lived down the street from us when I was a kid. Oh my god, that is definitely Mrs. Smith, like one hundred and ten percent. Sounds just with like cat her. hair. Oh yeah, you would, you yeah. would go over to her house. <laughs> my uncles would do her shopping for her because she was, you know, back then she was old. My god, but she's probably in her eighties or ni- even nineties back when I was a little kid. And uh, yeah, you just described Mrs. Smith, um, you know, on Clark <laughs> Avenue, one hundred and ten percent. Well, I think that we all knew that old lady when we were growing up, and so that is the old lady that I plan to be. I think that you're well on your way. Yes. Yes, Patty <laughs> Patty texted to make sure I said I had butterscotch in my pocket. I did say that, didn't I? That I will always have butterscotch in my pocket. 
Would you like a butterscotch? Would you like a butterscotch and then come in and then talk about my cats? Yes, that was Mrs. Smith. <laughs> yep, yep. She was this little old British woman. Yep, that's definitely Mrs. Smith all the way. <laughs> well, and so I just want you to know that crazy cat lady translates to crazy chicken lady. So what I just described is your wife's future. Okay, that's fine. I mean, she'll she'll always... Always be beautiful to me. And speaking of which, tomorrow is 11 years for us. 11 years married? 11 11 years years married, yep. Oh my God, the woman is a saint. I know. And and you know what? I always tell people that it's like 11 years and no parole. Not even time off for good behavior. Happy anniversary. That's exciting. 11 years. Jim and I I will be 11 years in um, February. So you're a little ahead of us. So we are, yeah, we are a little ahead of you. Congratulations and when February rolls around. Yeah, if we even remember we have an anniversary. Sometimes it feels like we've been married so long that, you know, we don't even remember those things anymore. Oh, and Jenny just texted me and I would like you to read I would like to read the text to our audience. Okay. It is not surprisingly in all caps and it has one, two, three, four exclamation points at the end it says That's important. It says, I am not a crazy cat lady. Yes, you are, Jenny. (laughs) Yes, you are, Jenny. Own it. All (laughs) right. So we were going to go to break early tonight because our guests, who I'm going to let you mention in a minute, um, can come on a little early and they can only be with us for about an hour. So we want to take our break early so we can get right to them. So who have our listeners won this evening, Rick? Tonight we have the legendary paranormal author, lecturer, um, all around uh, well-rounded paranormal researcher and investigator investigators brad and sherry steiger uh, this is a huge show for me a uh, huge influence on my life as a writer and a paranormal investigator it's very exciting so yes. here's what we'll do we will take a quick break um we'll you know give rick just a few minutes to get all of her clamped and when we come back, um, we will be talking to Rod and Sherry Steiger. So stick, Brad stick around. Brad, I'm sorry, Brad Rod. Yeah, wrong person. Brad and Sherry Steiger. It's a migraine, folks. Um, so stick around. This is Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Visit us today at ParanormalUnderground.net and get a 12-month digital subscription for 15% off the cover price. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier. I'm here with my co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, Rick Hale. Hi everyone. We invite you to join Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network to explore the unexplained every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific and other times in the flyover states. 
<laughs> Each week, we talk with investigators in the field, researchers, authors, and experts about topics that include paranormal investigation, ufology, cryptozoology, and spirituality. So, please join us each Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for Paranormal Talk with great guests right here on HazyRadioNetwork.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. This is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife or to read an excerpt from the book, visit DancingWithTheAfterlife.com. Thank you.
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio at HazyRadio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. Thank you for sticking around. Tonight joining us is a true icon of the paranormal community. Uh, over 168 books under his belt, 17 million of them in copies, several thousand articles, as well as being on uh, Coast to Coast AM, Jeff Rents, uh, and you know, not to mention a, a couple other radio shows, as well as being on TV. And... Um, author of books for everything from ghosts to conspiracy theories to men on the moon and the new book that they have out real encounters different dimensions and otherworldly beings so tonight we are being joined by the brad steiger uh brad thank you so much for joining us on paranormal underground well i am delighted to be with the rick hale See, you know what? That 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 is going to one day roll off of everybody's lips. I'm telling you. Let me tell you that. Is and the the Karen too. We can't Absolutely. leave her out. Thank you. Well, I was going to say I I feel the same way. I get to spend you know two hours on the air every week with the Rick Hale. So the Rick Hale. There you go. Welcome to my life, Brad. Well, thank you, thank you. It's a delight to be with you. How does she stand it? But of course, she gets off the air and she just says, "God, that Rick Hale is the biggest tool in the toolbox." So, <laughs> never, I would never do that. I would say that live on the air. So it's it's all good. So I have to no I have to start off really quickly because my friend Elaine is going to burst if I don't. So Uh-oh. she because she's been sending me. Um, messages and also Rick and Cheryl all day on Facebook because she wants us to ask you about what was it Rick what did she want to know frogman um mothballs mothman mothman yes well this is one of the oh legends that came to life now we we deal a lot with these in the new book because we have, and let's count down a few of them, the Black Eyed Boys, mm-hmm. the Shadow People, Slender Man, Mothman, Frogman. We have all of these entities that are reported from time to time. And I think we have, well, they're called psychologically they're called memes m-e-m-e and they're like a a contagion they're like a virus of the brain and and it spreads not literally we're talking figuratively but it spreads rapidly now mothman that was my late friend john a keel who went to this particular town where they had a bridge collapse. They have now a festival there every year. But now Mothman, this huge, um, well, it was because of Batman <laughs> that he got a name at all. The, bat- the Batman series, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, that was very big when people in this community began talking about this huge bird-like creature, this huge bird-man 
that when young couples were out spooning by the dam or wherever, he would come flapping and scare them running back to town and mommy and daddy, that type of thing. Sure. So the name then, because of Batman, that's how we got Mothman. Now a whole mystique has built up around this entity. My good friend Lorne Coleman, the very well-known cryptozoologist, keeps a Mothman death list that he, he updates every year, and we do have uh, some of that in the new book. Um, where Mothman he, has a body count, Brad? Yes! Yes, accor he, according he, to Lauren, these are people who were associated at the time, the first persons to see him, the first, uh, and then the motion picture, those who were involved in the motion picture, Mothman prophecies, you may have seen that, the uh, number yeah, of those who, <laughs> pardon me? I loved it, my wife hated it. Yeah, well. She understood, it, you know. It was it was a good movie. It was a good movie. It. it was it was far better than I thought. And I remember um, I, I don't think uh, John even knew they were were talking about it. <laughs> and so I emailed him and said, you know, they're talking about making a movie of of Mothman. So he did get to see it. He passed away a couple years ago, but he did get to see the finished uh, movie, and he actually got, I think, a little royalty from it, uh, which doesn't happen too often to its authors. But uh, the whole mystique then around Mothman, now we have, of course, um, the Jersey Devil. We have That could have been added to. But the contemporary ones I find interesting, the, the black-eyed kids, you know, yes. those kids. Right. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about them because that's a really creepy um, legend, I guess you call it. Yeah. Well, there again, it's a meme. It, yeah. It's a legend that uh, we're able to see be created. Now, if we had lived in colonial times, we would have been talking about the headless horseman in upstate New York, oh, and sure. people would have claimed to have seen him in Albany, and they would have claimed to have seen him in North Carolina, whatever. But now we have the black-eyed boys. Now, I first, oh, it may have been, it's before these black-eyed boys got notoriety, mm -hmm. and everyone started seeing them. I got a very interesting series of emails from a young man who mentioned that uh, he and his uh, girlfriend and another couple were out, and as they came out of the restaurant, these young people, these young men, came up and, and started kind of harassing them, kind of uh, giving them a bad time, and, and uh, the guy said, come on, guys, beat it, you know, we, we'd... And, and they just happened to notice before they drove away that when he looked again they seemed to have solid black eyes for the just and then they took off they went to uh, a park they spent some time there and wouldn't you know it as they were coming out of the park there were the same boys the same boys with those black eyes and they thought you know this is getting creepy how'd they know where we're going where they're there well let's ignore it they got into the car they went to a uh a rest or a movie i think next whatever uh they came out of the theater and there were those same boys leaning on their car they really thought this is getting too much they went to the girl's apartment which was on the ground floor they hadn't been there very long, and the doorbell rang. When they came to the door, here were those boys with the black eyes. 
and saying, can we come in and use the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) And they said, no, you can't come in, you know, beat it, whoever you are. Uh, But this is something, interestingly, all the accounts I have, the, the ringing of the doorbell and then, can we use your telephone? Can we use your bathroom? Can we just come in a minute? We're cold. It's some innocuous thing like that. But then we think way back in tradition, what does the vampire must do? He can't just come into your house. He has to be bright. So there we carry on that tradition with the black-eyed boys. They have to be. Now, I have also heard from people who... You know, so, oh, these poor kids, yeah, come in and get warm. And they rue the day. They regretted it. They tore the place apart and then just took off. When they call the police and they just see them just a few feet running on the block, they they just disappear. So the black-eyed boys, that's a meme that has really taken off. Slender Man is another. Have you heard of Slender Man? Yeah, my son actually did a student film about it. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. So not too many people have heard of Slender Man, and and, uh, my good friend, uh, our our good friend, uh, Robin Swope, the paranormal pastor, uh, wrote an interesting contribution for the new book, Real Encounters, uh, dealing with how that began, kind of as a a radio gag, just as something kind of made up, this tall, thin man that's after children. And it took off. See, that's all it takes in this new technology, this new yeah. v- vibration, this frequency. And, and that's what we're talking about, real encounters. You know, we're all just a frequency away from the unknown, the supernatural, the strange. So... The, all these encounters which people relate, you know, they are so important to the individual who has them. They become someone who sees an alien, an elf, an angel, whatever you want to name, is changed forever. That yes. person cannot be dissuaded that that episode happened in his or her life. And from that moment on, that they look up back on that almost as an epiphany, as a religious experience, as, as something that has introduced them, probably when they were five years old, six years old, or whenever. They were a teenager, whenever it happens to them. They know it was real. They know it was significant. They know it changed their lives, and it was their clue that the other, now in the book, Sherry and I just refer to all of these entities as the other, because none of us really know who they are, what they are, why they are, why are they here, why are they interacting with us. You, you know, it's like a, a lot of people will say, well, they're ghosts uh, or they're demons or they're somehow a creation of the collective unconscious. But there can be no doubt is, is that people are really seeing these things. Right. And it can, Rick, it can be all those things you named. Sure. All those things you named can participate, right? Sure. The collective Absolutely. unconscious. Archetypes. Sure. Look at the archetypes that we have for centuries. Now, uh, Jason Offutt, the author who I think wrote probably the first... Oh, yeah, Jason, the guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So he wrote to me a a while ago and said, have I heard of the Harlequin? 
Now, you, you know what the Harlequin mm. is from I Middle know. Ages. No, yeah, it's, okay. Yeah. It's kind of the Joker. And oh, okay, had yeah. the mask, the Harlequin mask, mm-hmm. and, and wore a suit that was probably black on one side and white on the other. That's kind of typical. Right. Right. Now, he said people were citing the Harlequin. And I said, this is remarkable, because here we have another archetype, another creation, creature, a collective unconscious being from the Middle Ages, suddenly surfacing again. Right. And and that's what's so fascinating, because when we talk about the UFO phenomenon, we talk about abductees and contactees, you just overlay that on the fairy tradition, the fairy legends, See, who again Brad, would take, pardon me? I was going to say, Brad, see, I am so glad that you mentioned that because I've, I've always believed that. I grew up in primarily a uh, an, an, an Irish-American family, and we had the beliefs in the fae. And I tell, tell people that it's like it, it's gone from, from the fae to being aliens just in a matter right. of 100 years or so. I'm so glad you said that. Rick, we're right totally on the same page. And yeah. when you have a chance to get into real encounters, you will see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that, uh, again, um, and, and I tell my experience in the book, uh, I'm from a Scandinavian Norse tradition, sure. where we have the Nyssa, where we have the elves. And so we have a similar tradition. It's very similar to the Irish. Uh, even the word spook, you know, means <laughs> a, a, a little person, not a ghost, you know, necessarily. Right. So the gentry and so forth. So this is very important because it, it took a while. Uh, you know, I was I was a very young boy when Roswell occurred, but I was around when Roswell occurred. And because of, you know, my reading in science fiction and my reading in the paranormal as it existed in 47, sure. I was excited because they're here. I mean, they have come. They've landed. They're here. And then by the time I wrote my first book on UFOs, Strangers from the Skies, in 1966. Yeah, and that became became in two weeks. It was on the bestseller list. It was timing. It was timing. It just came out when? When J. Ellen Hynek was talking about swamp gas, which he swore later he never said, but swamp gas in Michigan. So the book just came out at that time and just took off in two weeks, was, was on the bestseller list. So nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts, we were all excited. And then by the 70s, when I began to write the books like Gods of Aquarius and so forth, I'm thinking, wait now, wait now. I, I may have been premature in my excitement. Are they really coming from outer space, or have they been here all along? And we've called them something else. We've called them the fae. We have called them the fairy tradition. Clergy people argued, are the fae really the fallen angels? Because they have these powers. But what did the fae do? They would take children. They would leave one of their changelings. They would leave some. Their changeling is literally, we can say today, will you agree with me, Rick? That's a hybrid. That's a hybrid, right? Well, that's exactly so what it is. They means, have yeah. been working on hybrids for centuries. So this phenomena is not new. And to my disappointment and many others, 
I'm not saying there isn't extraterrestrial life in the universe, but this is not the gods coming down from the sky. They've been here all along. They've been here all along, interacting. They may well be, as we say in real encounters, they may well be a cousin species that has mm-hmm. been here before we have, and they some of them seem to be trying to help us get up to speed, and some mm-hmm. of us say, well, you clods can really f- be of use as breeding material or some other task we might find for you. Sure. You know, it's another thing, too, you know, about with the, you know, the, um, between the aliens and the, uh, the ancient legends of the Fae, the gentry, um, is the abduction experience. I Absolutely. That's the changeling, right? Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah, that, that is, of course, sure. But I remember hearing stories and reading stories, of course, about, uh, people that would go into a fairy ring and they would fall asleep and they would come back hours days months even years later and it's like they were like well we went in there and we met with the fae and we danced and i fell asleep exactly that sounds like the abduction experience to me absolutely and and what would they say now in some cases they would come back and say oh i I guess i fell asleep under the tree they'd come into the village and they say oh my gosh sean you've been gone for three weeks where have you been I just fell asleep. I just fell asleep. I had a little nap. The reverse, then, people who thought they were gone for three years have only been gone for three hours. So time, as we know, is totally distorted by the fae, and the fairy circle is exactly that. I mean, it's uh, it was so interesting, Uh, and not many people will will groove on this, but obviously you people will. Mm -hmm. When we were investigating haunted houses regularly, you know, going state to state and so forth. So often, yeah, psychic safari, right. So often we would see a fairy circle somewhere near the house. Really? Now, that didn't mean anything to the rest of the people on on our group, but it surely meant something to me, a blending of phenomena. It happens all the time. And that's why Sherry and I say, what is the real phenomena? That's why we just have to call it the other. Now, we use the expression and the terminology of the person, the percipient, who is relaying this to us. But do we have, then, an alien, a ghost, a Bigfoot, whatever? Or is this an intelligence that can manipulate us to see whatever we need to see at that time. And again, who we are may be exactly what we see. Right. You know, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up, too, with, with, with the blending of the phenomena, because I think of high strangeness. And mm-hmm. um, I live in Ingleside, Illinois, which is maybe about... about 40, 50 miles north of Chicago. And back in the 1970s in um, what is now considered Antioch was called Grass Lake, Illinois at the time. And it started off with something very innocent with them seeing orange lights in the skies. And then it turned into people seeing uh, creatures and having poltergeist-like phenomena. And I think it was uh, Dennis William Houck who was the one that uh, investigated this. And the only reason I knew about it was back then was because my uncle was friends with one of the kids that, that the phenomena was happening to. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about this until 
the almost the 90s that this had occurred. So yeah, I mean, you definitely see this high strangeness, this blending of phenomena that, you know, I, if you, let, let's face it, Brad, even to folks like us who have been doing this for a long time, I've been 30 years, I know you have, I can't even barely touch you yet, but we still scratch our heads. What the hell is this? Oh, and and I'm so happy that you're scratching your head because I have kind of had it with the people who have the answers. No, I have no <laughs> answers, man. No answers whatsoever. <laughs> there are answers? <laughs> there there yes, are saying. answers depending on who's asking the question, right? Sure. Now, again, the uh, the people that there's there's no just like there's no crying in baseball, there's no dogma in the paranormal. Well, there Absolutely. is, but there there shouldn't be. <laughs> right. Yeah, but no, there should not be. Yeah, I, mean, I I get into I've actually gotten into debates and almost fights with people about the term expert, and I love when you see like the shows <laughs> on television, and they're like. They're like, well, I've been involved in the paranormal for about five or six years now, and I'm an expert. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? You know, you, I, I really, I, I really yeah, you can, you can imagine how I feel, you know. Yeah. No, but when I hear someone say, well, how long have you been doing this? I say, ah, I've been seriously investigating for two to three years now. Yeah. Uh, I had a young lady ghostbuster say that she, she deserved her own reality ghost TV program because she had been in seriously investigating for several months now and she had some incredible experiences she should have her own television show okay oh I just have to, so is, arrogant I, I just have to ask why does that happen why do people think that getting into paranormal means you get a television show I, I you know it, it just is uh, as you would probably guess, we are invited to appear. We get letters almost sure. uh, sometimes, you know, weekly. But um, no, it's it's just it's a two-edged sword, isn't it? it? There's one aspect of this that is positive because now, I mean, do you realize when I started in the '60s, there I mean, there weren't radio shows. There would be only a few shows that would have have me on as a guest because I was talking about strange things and then they have a clause in their their uh, uh, broadcast guide that they can't have anyone that would encourage belief now the only television channel at that time that would let me come on was ABC the other alphabets would have nothing to do with me. ABC will always have a warm spot in my heart because they, they weren't afraid, and we did a number of national shows on that particular network. But again, why, as you say, why do you have a TV show? Now, some of these people I have uh, talked to, and, and they seem quite alert, and they do seem to have some background. Others, as I say, who will call or write or so forth, I am just appalled. I mean, uh, again, you know, they haven't even read Hans Holzer or Brad Steiger, you know. So, yeah. uh, again, uh, to have a knowledge of the field and the the classics, you know, the great figures from the uh, British Society for Psychical Research at the turn of the last century, they they don't know those names. They could be people, you know, they meet on, on a bus. They just have no idea. They have no background. And you have to, before you go into any field, 
you should have a knowledge of what has gone before you so that you're not simply replicating the same uh, challenges and, and realities sure. over and over again. Sure. Well, it's like, I, you know, I, I had somebody once ask me about, you know, what books that they can read. And I'm going to go straight to Hans Holzer because, and, you know, of course, you're, you. But I also tell people that one of the best books to read is Phantasms of the Living. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to read anything that was written by uh, um, William Thomas Steed. And even people who have been in this for a few years are like, who? It's like, these are the classics. These are the people that will actually teach you something. Right, right. And you have to have that background to know how it all began, when they took it very seriously, and and what they were up against. And you should be aware of the uh, accredited scientific legends who were involved in this research. You know, it would just be so much more. But, you know, we... Uh, you know, I, I hate to cast aspersions on anyone's intellectual pursuits, but you know, we find it if we decide, well, let's watch one and see. You know, we end up saying that well, the essence of the haunting was someone saying something touched me. Yeah. They don't. They don't say what they've learned, what has happened, but something to hey i think there's something over there oh i'm getting some feedback on my audiometer and so forth well again as lloyd auerbach uh, the parapsychologist has pointed out and, yeah, and you're right we, and, yeah we and, love lloyd yeah he's, he's yeah really he's great the show. but but as he's pointed out and we've discussed this you go into any modern building with wiring all over the place, you're naturally going to pick up electrical signals of, of right. many kinds, and that doesn't mean that a spirit is there. Right. So anyway, I don't mean to put anyone down. Uh, as I say, it's a two-edged sword. At least people are recognizing the field exists, recognizing that you don't need to be censured if you say you've seen a ghost or you have a haunting. So, again, there's plus and minus and everything, I guess. Well, there is. And it, it, is, it is sad that, that people get the body of their knowledge from what they see on television or, and you know, what they can see on YouTube and things like that. Um, but I think it's just kind of the nature of, of the way people learn now. I think you find that yeah. in fields other than the paranormal as well. It's an interesting mm-hmm. sociological phenomenon, but it's it's the world we live in now. Right, right. Yeah. I quite agree. Yeah. Sadly, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, well, um, before before we had our show, I, I was on uh, Emmy Rose's show before us, and, uh, you know, it's like I was telling her 20 years ago, um, I did my first investigation when I was like 17 back in 1991 and mm-hmm. 20 years ago or whatever, if I told people what I did on the side, just, you know, rather than being some normal teenage kid, they will look at me and say, are you crazy? Today, I still get the, are you crazy? But then I get, Hey man, I got a story to tell you. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, what, yeah, what me are, too. Yeah, but what are all the pluses and minuses concerning of the um, what I call the tapsification of the paranormal? Are there are there are there even pluses to all this? Well, plusing, of course, is the very basic one: discovering who we really are as a species. Yeah, it's at the very center. 
yeah. of what and who we are. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Are we alone? And the are we alone, I think we're discovering that, as we say in Real Encounters, there is this intelligence, this external intelligence that has been interested in us uh, ever since we stood upright and quite likely before, and maybe they even were in on the creation of our species. But we have, this is an unknown psychic mechanism that somehow activates our unconscious mind and allows people to have revelations, to have aha experiences. Yeah. And it, it really, I think, and Sherry and I agree, that this is the essence of who we are. To deny this aspect, to deny the spiritual, to deny the multidimensional is not to recognize. And I think the end result of paranormal research is to demonstrate and make us feel secure in our future, in our potential as a species. Because I think we all sense, don't we, that, mm -hmm. you know, don't call it Armageddon. Don't call it the Judgment Day. Don't call it the rapture, but don't we all sense that something, something major is about to happen? And I, I did a book based on total research of people who were totally into science called The Roadmap of Time. Okay. And this, uh, it went really big in France and England. It didn't really catch on as much as I thought here. But it, this is a group of scientists who created a way of predicting the future in terms of economy and in terms of history. It was so accurate that the Nazis sent a team to try to steal it during World War II. So these men had passed the veil, and uh, uh, an individual bought it and br literally brought the laboratory to me, you know, like a semi-trailer truckload of research materials, which I distilled as best I could into Roadmap of Time. And their prediction is was exactly that. I was astonished to see that <laughs> in 2020, you know, something very major, and they went so far as to say, our old world begins to die, but a new world is being born. Now, this is too hard-nosed scientists, and that stays with me, that phrase, an old world is dying. And I think those of us who are tuned into the paranormal in this research have that feeling that an old world, our world, I mean, at almost 78 I don't recognize the world I grew up in in the 30s. Sure. Yeah. I don't I recognize, recognize the world I grew up in, and I'm in my 40s. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We know it's changing. And, and I see, you know, I, we saw our two-year-old granddaughter on Monday night pick up, um, what is it they call it, the... A, a pad, you know, one of those. The iPad. iPad. Or, yeah, yeah. iPad. A two-year-old, and she was working it. Yeah. yeah. She, so does my little better boy. than I work mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't even know, you know, what she I thought she was just making little child motions over it. But no, 
as her father pointed out, no, she's picking her, her topics, she's picking this and so forth. So, I mean, we have now this whole uh, intrusion, and I kind of look at that, but maybe a liberating aspect as we kind of blend into technology. So the world that I was born into in 1936 only a semblance, only vestiges of that exist. We're evolving something, and we don't know yet, you know, is it going to be good or bad, but it's going to be a blending. But whenever I talk, hear people talk about doomsday and Armageddon and so forth, that phrase from these two scientists comes back, Maxwell and Wheeler, come back to me, but a new world is being born. And I think as we understand more about who we really are, the better our species will be. And how do we learn that better and more completely and more conclusively than in researching the paranormal? That's where we find out who we really are. I absolutely, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I work with, um, you know, with some really great psychics, um, and I know some, uh, Karen being one of them, and um, they all say the same thing, that it's like we are evolving to something. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. becoming something. We are going to see this old world come to an end and a whole new bright beginning, a whole new bright tomorrow. Now, But it, a lot of people said that was supposed to happen this past December. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, they, they they weren't even using the real iconography. They were using no. Aztec and not Mayan, and that always really cracked me up. But what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Well, exactly what you just said. Um, all of these, you know, the Mayan calendar and so forth. I mean, we just, uh, Sharon and I just shook our heads, you know, and say, what? What? they don't even know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, as you say, the iconography... And we have this in many cultures, an end of an age, the end of an age. We all speak of that. We speak of that in our culture, the end of an age, not the end of all existence. But it's so easy for those who, who, um, well, again, who do things by rote, who say their prayers by rote, who say their, their thoughts by rote, who really have no original thoughts of their own. That's why I think, I just want to go back and then kind of blend it in here. Um, the contactees, now you say, people are saying, the psychics are saying, you know, we're coming to an evolution, we're coming to a spiritual evolution, a psychic evolution, whatever you want to phrase it. But that's been the central message of the contactees. Back in the yeah. 60s, yeah. I began focusing on the contactee. At that time, everyone thought they were kooks. And I thought, oh, wait now, wait now, because I had come from psychical research, going to spiritualist camps, talking to psychics, talking to mystics, and now I'm suddenly talking to individuals who, now this is before Internet, and that makes a big difference. That has changed so much, the Internet. But in those days, we're talking mid-60s, if I talked to a contactee in Illinois who gave me a message, and then I talked to a contactee in Nova Scotia who gave me a message, word for word, and then I talked to someone on the West Coast who gave me a message, word for word, I think, how 
could they, but they all name the same entity that they claim came from a shining, glowing UFO. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever that device was that altered their consciousness, they were giving a message, and that's essentially what the contactee says, is that we're about to undergo an evolution of consciousness, of spirit, if you will, soul, if you will, whatever you're comfortable saying. But isn't that what the angels have been saying for centuries? Isn't that what the the mystics have been saying for centuries, preparing us because, again, However you read the Bible, but we are told over and over in the Bibles of the Hindu, we're told in the Bibles of of all religions, that time for these entities is but a moment for them, what may be centuries for us. Right. So the warning, like a great circle, really began thousands of years ago, which would be but a blink of the eye to them. So they've been trying to prepare our species for this great evolutionary jump for decades. Sure. So Elaine in chat wants to know if you think that psychic abilities are evolving, or is it just that people aren't hiding them anymore so that it can grow? That is an excellent question, Elaine, and uh, it's something Sherry and I discuss over and over, and one day we'll go one side and one day we'll go the other. Um, I I think in one sense, well, you know, this sounds like a cop-out, but I'll have to say it's both. I think that they are evolving because people are more aware of them, mm-hmm. and they are allowing them to happen. Yes. Now, I don't agree in forcing this. When uh, the sixth sense came out, I see dead people, the little boy <laughs> yeah. said. Yeah. I was appalled at the number of parents who wrote to me asking how they could train their child to see dead people. Really? Oh, my God. That's, You're kidding me. That's I wish I were. Because you know what my my seventeen year old does, and he wishes he didn't. It's not. It's an uncomfortable thing for a teenager, or a child to have. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I finally developed a kind of form letter applicable to each individual uh, that we've sent to uh, these people who write, because we say, you know, this is this is not what you encourage a child to do. Now, if the child has demonstrable psychic abilities and there doesn't seem to be any way to live, then then please help him be there as a source of comfort and strength. But to encourage someone, you know, to to pick open the the budding, you know, like (laughs) any flower that's beginning to bud, if you take a, a needle and pick that bud apart, you're going to kill the plant. You're not yeah. going to free it sooner. So we would use that metaphor, that analogy, you know, that, but if you have a child you think has ability spontaneously, then be there as a comfort, a solace, and, and a guide, but do not encourage a child who would rather watch cartoons to become a psychic medium. That is a no-no. That is, that is an abuse of your role as a parent. Well, and and wow. I I know from my own experiences that it comes in its own time, right? You know, and because I know adults also who say, "Gosh, I wish I had these abilities," and you know, I I 
I say to them, look, this is my greatest gift, but it's also a lot of times my greatest curse because I happen to be, I'm, I'm empathic. And so, and I'm physically empathic. <laughs> so that's a, a very difficult thing to have. It's also the source of all compassion that I have and everything else. But I don't understand people wanting to force having these abilities if they don't, you know, if they're not there naturally. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. Uh, My dog's working. It, 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 it's something, you know, that we, I think those of us who uh, have this gift sometimes curse um, recognize you know that um, it's very important the encouragement and the right kind but it's it is difficult to live with mm -hmm. and one has to uh, recognize that so uh, again I, I also have the same feeling I guess about various psychic development courses and so forth uh, I think that should wait until you're an adult as well. If you feel, sure. uh, as as friends of yours say, you know that I feel I have a little of it, and I feel if I encouraged it, an adult, I think it's fine. But to send a, a child uh, situation um, with with our uh, oldest daughter, mm -hmm. I was. She began by telling me what I would find when I went to a particular haunted house or haunted college or haunted church. She would begin to describe what I would find. And at first it was just, oh, that's nice. But then, you know, it's, it happened as she said. And I saw that she was developing, and we talked a little bit about it. Then when I came back one time, I found out that she was giving readings to 40, 50-year-old women. And here she is, you know, 11 years old. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it finally reached the point where my secretary, of all people, <clears throat> excuse me, had contacted her to go to their apartment that they thought was haunted. Well, luckily, I had come home in time. And I said, wait, wait, you're not, I'm going with you. Oh, yes, please, Daddy. So we went up there, and, and the attic is where they heard this thump and this bump and, and moans and groans at night. So the daughter wanted to go up there. She lay down on an old rusty uh, pot that was there. And then, and I will never forget, she was lying there saying, I'm getting the impressions that this was an elderly man. And then all of a sudden, I saw her eyes open in terror and say, Daddy, there's someone inside my head with me. Hell, oh. she, before she was so authoritative that I was pulled in. She was walking around the apartment, picking up this, talking about that, telling her where they got that, what they got for their wedding gift. But I was taken in. She was so authoritative. I was thinking, gee, you know, this is my little girl. And then I saw that moment of panic. So, okay, I helped her. I helped the, I got the entity out of there. And then we went for a long, long walk. And I said, you can have this life or you can choose not to. You can just use it as you wish. And she said, well, I choose to have a normal life. Well, she lives in Italy now. She goes constantly to the Vatican to talk herself going on 
<laughs> pilgrimages with the nuns, and somehow she is a Protestant, manages to talk her way to go on. So I guess she uh, she moved her impulses <laughs> to a way, and, and I think here again, not that I'm endorsing, but, but in some aspects, you know, the Catholic Church does recognize and, and welcome that kind of mysticism, so... Yeah. So um again she uh is very good friends with the Franciscans and the Jesuits over there and she's very happy in Italy. Well, that's that's good. That's a that's a um for a parent that's a frightening story to hear. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So tell me then because there is kind of um a younger and younger demographic getting involved in paranormal investigation. And, um, you know, very inexperienced young kids I know are going out and doing this. How do you feel about that? Well, I think you can probably assume uh, with the story, the anecdote from my personal life that I just shared. Uh, yeah. Please, please be cautious. Uh, it, it's, it's too much. The Ouija board, let's look at that. Mm-hmm. Hey, gang, after the football game, come over and let's work the Ouija board. It's not a game, but you find it in Toys R Us. You can buy a Ouija board in Toys R Us. You know, it's not a toy. And, and of course, there's no evil. There's nothing psychic about the board. It's just uh, made of either paper or plastic or cardboard. But it's the doors that it can open, the doors that it can swing wide when I had an office in, in a college town, I mean, and, and I've always been a night people, night person, luckily Sherry is too, but I'd be working in the office late at night and bang, 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 there'd be a bunch of college girls screaming because, oh, what took over on the Ouija board? It had been so great, it had been wonderful, we'd been doing it one night a week for months, and all of a sudden it became horrid and swore us and said horrible words. So, uh, again, the the whole idea of we see it on TV, it, it, it fits into the categories of, of the um, various reality shows, and I think it, that's just not the approach. Sure. I guess Sherry and I have always regarded it, you know, from the shamanistic point of view. Uh, I've been adopted uh, by the Seneca tribe, and and uh, Sherry is uh, Swedish and and Chippewa, and uh, she she spent time with with many uh, many shaman, and uh, so have I, and and we kind of feel we don't mean to be arrogant, but I think in a classic sense, shaman doesn't just mean Native American. You know, there's shaman all over the world and individual and, and indigenous tribes. And we kind of approach things from that, you know, that to be uh, a practitioner, if you will, of this field, you have to spend serious time in research, prayer, devotion, study, and and really, it, it's um, I think it is a duty that some people feel and have throughout all time to be able to help their fellow beings, to be both both human and animal. And I think that it it requires that kind of devotion and not uh, the the game aspect or making right. it into a, a, a sport. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what? That's the perfect analogy. And I think you just hit on actually what concerns me is that so many people think of it as fun. I mean, a thrill ride. Thrill seeking. Yeah. 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 And and that worries me because, yeah, (laughs) it concerns me. Well, I, I know from hearing, you know, and, and being involved in society, we don't live in a cave. Uh, I, I overhear where, where kids, you know, go to a haunted house after the football game or go here. And, and a lot, again, I find a certain amusement in that. Uh, the number of uh, young people and others who have been picked up for uh, <laughs> invading privacy or for, uh, sure. you know, yeah, yeah I mean... It, you have no right to go into to someone's old house just because you think it's spooky, you know. So uh, trespassing is a very real uh, law in our society, and and I've been, and again, sadly, sadly, and there's nothing to chuckle about this. I have seen a number of cases recently where a young man or young woman has fallen out of a attic window and been killed or horribly mm-hmm. injured because they were. And to me, what they're doing is playing ghost yeah. hunting. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that is something that's frightening. One of our our friends actually, who's asked you a couple questions, Elaine in chat, actually, that's her sole focus is is trying to educate people about all the safety risks and how they can be safer if they're going to do it because people are going to do it whether and people are going to do it for fun and thrills whether oh, yeah. any, whatever anybody thinks about them just like kids are going to do it whether we tell oh, them yeah. they can or not so we might as well give them as much education as we can to help them stay Absolutely. spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically safe Absolutely, I'm right full bore with that and uh i think elaine should put together a little ebook or something you know where she's she, in the process yes she is well good good for her because it needs to be done because uh even uh, a, a habitué of going to old houses who hear us speaking right now is going to think well that doesn't apply to me because i'm super yeah. special and super careful all right <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I know. So we only have um, about about five, ten minutes left with you. And um, so I wanted to give you the opportunity, Brad, to talk about anything you want, especially the new book. I um, understand that the reviews have been great. So can you tell us a little bit about the new book? Could maybe give it some promotion so people get out there and buy it? Yeah, I, I would love to, of course. Uh this is a book we feel very special about, as I, as I may have said. This is one that includes more personal material, uh, our own experiences. We've been asked, you know, for years, where you write about so many different things and so many different people's experiences, what have you experienced? What have you undergone? What ha- besides just the investigations, you know, the personal. So we have a, a good number of those, including uh, our own near-death experiences. Oh. And, uh, and uh, again, how we met. And it, it was astonishing because uh, an angel brought us together. <laughs> I mean, I, I was seated beside uh, a woman at a lecture, and she suddenly turns to me and asks if I've seen 
Sherry Hansen lately, and and you know she brings me greetings from Sherry Hansen. They they mm. take a course together, and I said, oh how nice. And as it unfolded, then uh, this woman never had met Sherry, and Sherry had never met this woman, but because of the woman saying. Sherry is in town, Sherry, uh, and, and Sherry was, she is an ordained minister, she was doing weddings, I found her name in the book, and it was just incredible how this, we call this lady uh, our fairy godmother, because wow. unknowingly, but, yes. but again, it demonstrates how if you're supposed to get together with someone, you know, the uh, they, quote, unquote, will see to it that you are. So we, we share that experience. We share uh, or many interactions that we've had. But basically, we cover, and, and as some people have said, we really didn't leave anyone out any being, whether it's ghosts, spirit, alien, monsters, angels, demons, creatures from other dimension, and we show how all of them really become part of a teaching mechanism where we feel this intelligence has been interacting with us in an effort to learn more about us, to communicate certain basic truths, but they this multidimensional intelligence probably masks itself in as many physical forms as possible that are acceptable to us. This intelligence tunes in, knows exactly what will speak to us, what type of being would communicate, and starts to transmit. It starts a point of contact. It happens to many of us when we're children. It happens to others at various times in their life. But once this doorway has been opened, then somehow an, the psychic mechanism, which probably can't explain and we can't shake our heads and it would fall out, but somehow it activates the unconscious mind, the higher self, if you will, within us. And that summons and establishes a connection line with what we call the other, because we don't want to really say alien or spirit guide. It may be all of these things. It right. may be none of those things. Right. And this this form may not even, this, this intelligence, excuse me, may not even have a physical form. It may be pure energy. It may be pure light. But we feel convinced after 50-some years of research that, it exists. The other exists. And our book is not a manual to get in touch, but just a manual to identify and to appreciate the works of this intelligence. So I have a question about the other. Could it be our higher selves? Could well, it be we, our collective consciousness? We name that too. We okay. name that too. We wow. name the higher self. Wow. So the book is called Real Encounters, Different Dimensions, and Otherworldly Beings. And if people want to um, find you and Sherry, find your book, that type of all of your work, tell me how they can, how they can do that. Well, they can always go to our website, www.brad, spell A-N-D, not an ampersand, spell and, and Sherry is S-H-E-R-R-Y dot com. The book can be found in, of course, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the electronic bookstores. 
And let's not forget about your friendly local bookstore. That physical local bookstore is having trouble in this day and electronic age, so patronize your book dealer. Oh yeah, I love I love bookstores. I can spend hours. We have a just a little one. I live in a little tiny town here in in Western Washington, and um, we have one little bookstore in town, and I love spending time in it. It's great. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell them. I'll tell them you sent me. <laughs> Do that. Do that. I will. Okay, um, Brad. Thank you so much. This has been amazing, Rick. Now I thank I, you. I, do, do you have any last question you want to sneak in? We have them for two minutes. Uh, the only question that I have is, Brad, is I I'm, I hope that we can have you back again because there is just yes. so much to cover. Yes, that would be fantastic. Well, that sounds great. I've certainly enjoyed being with you, dear folks. And uh, happy Halloween. Oh, yeah, this is our Thank season, you. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's our time of year. That's right. So <laughs> the, the website, everybody, is bradandsherry.com. It's S-H-E-R-R-Y, and the and is spelled out. So, Brad Steiger, I'm sorry that Sherry couldn't join us. Please tell her for us that we hope she feels better. Well, thank you, and she sends her best to you. All right. Uh, You have a great evening, and please come back anytime. Let's count on it. All right. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Good night. Uh, Stay in touch. Oh, we will. All right, everybody. That's Brad Steiger. And we are going to go to break. And when we come back, several people sent questions after our conversation with Bishop Long. And so we he has answered those questions. And so we're going to talk about that after the break. Stick around. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Visit us today at ParanormalUnderground.net and get a 12-month digital subscription for 15% off the cover price. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier. I'm here with my co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, Rick Hale. Hi everyone. We invite you to join Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network to explore the unexplained every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific and other times in the flyover states. <laughs> Each week we talk with investigators in the field, researchers, authors, and experts about topics that include paranormal investigation, ufology, cryptozoology, and spirituality. So please join us each Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for Paranormal Talk with great guests right here on HazyRadioNetwork.com. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did you know nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires.
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio at HazyRadio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. Uh, for hello. the last hour, hello. <laughs> for the last hour, we were having a fascinating conversation with the true icon of the field, Brad Steiger. Um, God, I, I Ooh, hope he has we can a super have- duper radio voice to boot. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. I, I hope we can have him back on again because there's just so much to cover with him. Yeah, definitely. He was really a fascinating, fascinating interview, and we barely scratched the surface. Very. We would need days. Yeah. But maybe we can do like what we're going to do with um, Dr. Moody when he comes back. And that's that we can have our listeners send us questions. Oh, yeah. I think that that would be – yeah, I think that's, that's probably the best. I, you got Brad Sykes, Steiger, uh, Dr. Moody. These are really well-known people that you know people are very aware of. Yes, yes, definitely. And there's crossover because Brad was saying that he'd had a near-death experience. So, But right. I had no time to ask him about it because we were already in Shameless Self-Promotion Corner. And once there, you cannot go back. Oh, no, because we are all about Shameless Self-Promotion here That's at right. Underground Radio. That's right. So here's what we're going to do now, Rick. Um, you, yeah. unfortunately, were not able to be here for um, Bishop Long's interview. No. And and so you, you don't know this, but I did tell our, re- our listeners this last week is that we pre-recorded the interview. Of course, Cheryl and I did with, mm-hmm. um, with Bishop Long. And um, it was kind of some of the things he was talking about kind of freaked me out a little bit while we were talking. Oh. But okay. I, I just... But I didn't really realize until that night when I had, like, the worst nightmare I have ever had. <laughs> so, so, um, but it was still a great interview, needless to say. And we, we got some questions from some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl sent them along to Bishop Long, and he has answered them. So, okay. we're going to do a little question and answer. So um, I I know we said you could read the questions and I would read the answers, but I thought of a better way. How okay. about if we just take turns? You want to take the first one? Uh, sure, I'll take the first All one. All right. Um, the first question is from Vicky, and Vicky asks, "How does a normal person distinguish distinguish when it's a demon or just paranormal?" Okay, are you going to read the answer too? Oh, I thought you were going to read. Oh, oh okay, I'll uh, read the answer. There you uh, go. It, Okay, I got it. Um, it's, he writes, Hello, Vicki. Thank you for the question, and that is definitely a question that I get asked a lot. First, I have to say that demonic infestation is very, very rare. I agree with him on that. Mm-hmm. It does occur, but it's rare. I think that far too often people think that demons are in every haunted home, and that is just not the case. Now, in saying that, demonic infestation does occur, and here is how you can differentiate between a simple haunting versus a true demonic infestation. First, you always look at the intent of the entity that is haunting a home. When you are dealing with a human spirit whose main goal is to let the homeowners know they exist, their intent is rather different from a demonic entity. A human spirit who simply wants the homeowners to know that they are present will do simple things. They are able to move light objects, turn on and off lights, emit certain smells, perfume, etc. They do not wish harm on the homeowners at all. They just want to let them know that they are there. That is a, demo- 
That is very true. However, you know, you do hear stories about, you know, human spirits that they just really do not want you in that place that they perceive as being their well, yeah. place. Bastard in life, bastard in death, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know uh, douchebaggery doesn't change when That's you pass right. this life to the death. Um, he goes on to say, a demonic entity has the intent to cause harm. It's very violent and overwhelming. Oppression is quite daunting. And by the way, I just heard Paul laugh behind me. A Hi, demonic Paul. <laughs> a demonic entity will desecrate religious objects. Animals can be harmed. Scratches can occur. Loud banging often happens, and a horrible, rotten odor will emit from rooms of the house, and the source of the smell cannot be established. Nice. The goal of the demonic is to eradicate the intellect and will of the individual through the stages of infestation and oppression. When that occurs, the individual can no longer fight, and they ultimately give in to the demonic's will. There you have it, Vicky. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's scary stuff. All right, so my question is really, really fast. Okay. <laughs> Brian wanted to know, what was the chapter out of Deuteronomy that Bishop Long referred to near the end of his recent interview on Paranormal Underground Radio? Hey, Brian, thanks for the question. It was from De- Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 11. I'll have to, I'll have to dig my Bible up somewhere. I, I might need an archaeologist to do it for me, but uh, just to see what that is. Uh, let's see. Next question uh, comes from Dave. Do children who read books that contains the name of demons unknowingly create connections by joking around with others and saying the names they learn? Bishop Long writes, hey, Dave. Uh, Dave, can you read this? Now, Dave, if you are reading this, you and I now have a connection. You now know that I am aware of your identity, and now you are aware of mine, and therefore a connection has been made. That is why I tell people to avoid using the name of demons. Great question. Uh-huh. So a little lady named Karen, who didn't get enough time to ask questions last week, has asked this question. Is 666 really the mark of the beast? And if so, why? And his answer, I felt, I told Cheryl, what did I say? I said, well, it was enlightening, but not, no, I... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, his answer is, well, there are some theolog- theologians, how do you say that? Theolo- theologians. Theologians who have disagreements with the number. Depending on which translation that you adhere to will really determine which number you believe is the true number of the beast. You see, the Greek manuscripts displays the numbers as, and then he writes some Greek things, which uh, which translates as 666. Now, Revelation 13, 18 says, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, three score, and six. Now, if you review other manuscripts, such as Papyrus 15, that is the manuscript written in Greek on Papyrus, it reads the number as 616. However, St. Arrhenius in the 2nd century stated that this translation was incorrect and that 666 was the proper one. But St. Jerome, several centuries later, left 616 in. So the translation of the number is still debated even today amongst scholars. So we don't know. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I always remember that quote uh, here, you know, who hath wisdom from, you know, of course, the number of the beast by Iron Maiden, which is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> Oh, and you get to read the last question from a little fella named Jad. Oh, my goodness. How come I get the hard ones? Um, okay. From <laughs> the I let chat. you go first. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, you had a plan the entire... I, I, I did. <laughs> you don't have a migraine headache. This has all been a giant conspiracy. Um, <laughs> Actually, it's this... starting to feel better. 
Good, good. I'm yeah. glad. Uh, this uh, question comes from Chad, and it is a long and lengthy one, my friends. Um, Chad asks, what if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like a demonic presence is present and you do not believe in the Christian God? Does an exorcism by a member of Catholic clergy work in that particular case, or do you need to seek someone out who is more of your beliefs? Let me explain my question first. I would think that when a demonic infestation is occurring, it involves those at the location and in addition to the location. So if someone is of a more spiritual belief and a Catholic priest is brought in, will the effect be the same? That's a great question. Or will the spiritualistic person's disbelief in the Christian God and thus the Catholic priest's method cause the exorcism not to be as effective or not effective at all? Boom. Good that's, question. That's a good question. And I'm kind of like in Chad with that because I don't, I'm not a Christian. Um, I don't really believe in, in demons as the fallen angel variety. But um, so it's like I'm kind of like with him on that. Um, Bishop Long says, fantastic question, Chad. Let me say this to you. I have had a case in which the family were not Christians, but they most certainly had a major issue occurring within the home. This was not a demonic possession case, but it was an infestation issue. After the cleansing of the home and after the activity completely stopped, the family sincerely thought about their path and they converted to Christianity. This was their decision based on the blessing and the realization that evil does exist, but so does good. I, I do agree with that. This is very important to point out. I can perform a thousand minor rites of exorcisms on a home, but unless I know the root reason as to the cause of the infestation in the first place, then I am just wasting my time because it becomes a revolving door. There are a variety of reasons as to why a demonic infestation could occur. There could have been a pre-existing infestation before the homeowners moved in to the home, or someone could be playing with a Ouija board or provoking. So, mm. great questions, great answers. Yes. So, um, just like you have had the opportunity to ask Bishop Long's questions, and you still can, um, you can email them to Cheryl, editor at paranormalunderground.net. That's editor at paranormalunderground.net. Um, also, we have Raymond Moody coming up, Dr. Raymond Moody, who is, of course, um, an expert in, as expert as you can be, in near-death experiences, shared death experiences. He's done a lot of research into reincarnation. And also now he, he uses something called the psychomantium that helps people experience, I'm sorry, my dog monkey is barking. Um, anyway, it helps people experience their loved ones after they've passed. Um, so if you have questions for Dr. Moody when he comes on, which is, uh, what is it the 6th, Cheryl? November 6th? It is okay. on November yeah. 7th. I'm sorry. November 7th. Shut I'm down. sorry. Anyway, yes. so um, you can email questions to Cheryl, um, which is editor at paranormalunderground.net. You can post them on the Paranormal Underground Facebook. You can post them on my Facebook, or you can email them to me, Karen Frazier, that's F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, 1965 at Mac, M-A-C dot com. So those are your options if you have questions for Raymond Moody, because I have had my opportunity to ask him the questions I wanted to, and I want to give you guys the opportunity to do the same. So, 
Yes. So, Cheryl, I know that there was a subject that was near and dear to your heart that you wanted to talk about tonight. And it's something that we have coming up with Paranormal Underground Magazine that's a little bit exciting and a little bit different from what we normally do. Do you know what I, I'm talking about? I, or do you need I believe more? you are talking to a special project that we are working yes. on. It's called a Ghost Hunting and Gear Guide. Yes. And it's a, it's been a long time in the works, frankly. Yeah, we've yeah. actually been discussing. Yeah, exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> we've been discussing this for years, probably since we first started the, the the magazine, the regular magazine. And it just finally kind of came around, and we got some great contributions. And I still don't know a published date right now, but um, it's either going to be, you know, here at the end of, of 2013 or at the beginning of the next year. I mean, frankly, the sooner the better as far as I'm concerned. Um, yes. We have opened the the special issue up to advertisers, so anyone who's, who's interesting and interested in advertising in this special issue um, can contact me for ad rates at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And also, um, we are going to be um, probably expanding the this this guide into a book and so yes. it, it a shortened version a shorter version will be available as all our all of our magazines are so it'll be available on our website and then a longer expanded version will be made into a book that uh that can be available at the at the you know online or at Kindle and yeah. that kind of thing. So let's talk about some of the awesome. very luminous people who have contributed <laughs> to this wonderful guide. We we have some great input in this guide, and I'll just throw out a few of our writers. We have Lloyd Arabach. In fact, he came up earlier in our interview with Brad Steinberg. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have Ben Hansen. Yes. We have Shannon Sylvia, who you would know from Ghost Hunters International. Um, also, you would know Ben Hansen from uh, Sci-Fi's Fact or Faked Paranormal Files. Um, we also have Dr. Barry Taff, who is a frequent writer for Paranormal Underground Magazine. He's let us um, run one of his articles. And we have a lot of our good friends writing for us, like Elaine Davison. Um she allowed us to republish her safety article in this special issue, which I think is important to get out there. Um, of course, we have uh, your host tonight, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale, with some awesome submissions. We have John Jack Kenna, who is great yeah. with uh, equipment reviews and does a lot of testing on equipment. And then we have the ghost gadget guy, Michael Kravchuk, who's submitted um, uh, an article. We have um, uh, Andy Selfridge, who has written for us in the past about various equipment. And we have also um, Michelle Rand, a.k.a. Silver Moon Medicine, who wrote an article about how, how you can use non-traditional <laughs> equipment um, if you're so inclined in your investigations, such as... Um, crystals and and all sorts of different things and then um, uh, we have Mitch Silverstein who um, works with Shannon Sylvia on some some equipment that wrote for us and so we have a great lineup of of authors who um, kind of expand the range from the everyday paranormal investigator to 
um, a serious um, equipment focused investigator that may have been around for a while. So articles really run the gamut between someone who's just interested in getting started to someone who wants to know about, you know, laser grids and, you know, thermal imagers and that kind of, you know, more advanced And some kind equipment. of unconventional equipment as well. I mean, right. I, I did a top 20 mm-hmm. and um, some of the stuff that I listed in there is actually pretty clever uses of, of things that you wouldn't think of as as paranormal equipment. Yeah, definitely. I think your top 20 is a, is a great roundup for um, people. Monkey. People even... Doesn't Monkey know we're on the air? She's <laughs> playing. She almost never That's barks. Fine. She's like the quietest dog, like but monkey. she's playing right We'd now. We'd miss Monkey if we didn't hear her barking every week. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, Monkey never barks. It's, it's always Sneaky you hear bark. Oh, is it? Oh, I thought yeah. it was Monkey. Okay. No, monkey never barks, huh? Aww. Mickey's the one who's afraid of everybody. Okay. Anyway, back to the gear guide. Yes, gear it's, guide. it's well, fantastic. I'm really yeah. excited about it. And we hope that you will look for that and be excited about it as well because it's a really neat project that a lot of people have, have worked on. It is. And I just want to mention it's not just about gear. We also have some oh. helpful articles on how yes. to work with clients, how to collect information, how to conduct an investigation, and then how to review evidence, you know, as well as, uh, I mean, it's going to be about 100 pages. And this is the short yeah. version. Yeah, the <laughs> so, short one. So yeah. I did want to also mention something as you were talking about Michaela, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the stuff that she works with, she actually works with like um, herbs and oils mm-hmm. and things. Yes. And um, she has this oil and she sells it. <laughs> and I so this it should come with a warning. Okay. Um, it's called, she calls it Breath of Spirit. And I've used it twice on investigations and one of them is the really intense experience i wrote about in paranormal underground Mm -hmm. about the uss turner joy Mm -hmm. which is and and the other one was on another investigation and they are two of the most intense psychic experiences empathic experiences i've ever had in my life the stuff works so can I run down a few of the things she talks about in an article in her article because yeah. she does yeah, really comprehensive yeah. overview of some of these non-traditional um mm. you know paranormal equipment. Um she talks about dowsing rods. She I talks use those, yeah. yeah. She talks about using pendulums. Yeah, I use those. Yeah. We she also uh, covers Ouija boards and séances. Mm-hmm. I use Ouija boards so sometimes. I yeah, I know that's controversial. Some people say just don't touch the things. Others say they're just like an EVP recorder or an audio it's, recorder. So it's pop culture. Yeah. Um, she yeah. talks about use of common radios. Talks about mirror ga- gazing, voodoo dolls, stones, oils, and herbs. Yeah. More about stones yeah. and oils separately. Um, it's I just, use. I do use mm-hmm. stones. I use stones for protection. Yeah. So it's really interesting to go beyond just, you know, looking at audio recorders or thermal cameras and seeing this different aspect of paranormal investigation where you use these tools um, that aren't, you know, maybe widespread out there um, to try and communicate or to try and do different experiments with. So I think that's a that's a huge area that's really untouched in a lot of ways. And sometimes it gets a bad rap unfairly, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not scientific. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and that's kind of what I cover in my, uh, in the article that I that submitted. That was Mickey. Was... See, that's Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Rick, what what do you say about your article? I'm sorry, Rick. You have uh, no, not okay. I mean, you, you have you have such cute dogs, Karen. I just love yeah. your dogs. Oh, except um, that Mickey Mickey's terrified of Tanner and every teenager for no oh, reason. Oh. So every time Tanner moves, Mickey freaks out. It's lovely. Anybody yeah, yeah. want a, a Brussels Griffon? Anyway, you were saying, Rick. <laughs> well, I was saying with you know with my article that I had submitted was old school techniques. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like spreading baby powder on the floor, uh, hanging things from uh, hanging rope or uh, sheet, you know, pieces of sheets from the ceiling, you know, to see if anything could walk through it. But you know what? That's, I think that that goes back to intent is it, people say, well, that's not scientific. Well, they may be right, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a website where I put, you know, a billion different pictures and videos and, and uh, sound recordings and stuff like that on it. There's nothing wrong with that. But when I go to a person's house, I am there for them, not for, a thousand people that or a million people that may be viewing the right. website. Right. I want them to see that they are having this experience and it's it's their experience. It's what's in their home. So if I can show it with you know to them with these old school techniques, you know, so be it. I'm not out to prove, you know, to to a billion different people right. that these things exist. Right. So a little a little side conversation is broken out in chat here and since we want everybody paying one hundred percent attention to us, I'll just go with conversation. <laughs> and um so Ryan was saying that he uses crystals for protection on investigations. And um I do as well. I have a pouch of them. Um Jenny Patrick, my friend who's not at all a crazy cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> knitted me a little pouch for him and we call it the boob cozy because I stick it in my bra because <laughs> that's where I keep my rocks I keep my rocks in my bra anyway keep um, somewhere else yeah sorry oh. but, but anyway so I mean I so I use like black black tourmaline for um, protection mm-hmm. I use um, things like amethyst or cords to amplify things. I use um, selenite to cleanse. I mean, so I have these stones that I keep with me. But what I wanted to tell you a story, and I don't have I ever told you about what happened with my my bag of rocks? They no. disappeared. They disappeared. Oh, that's right. Did you ever find them? Well, so I ripped the place apart. I set them on my dresser. Yeah. Walked out of the room. Walked back in the room, and they were gone. I ripped the place apart. I mean, literally ripped the place. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you. I set them on my dresser. Um, looked through everything about, and this was over a year ago, about a month ago, our dryer was making weird noises and Tanner opened it up and all of my crystals, but not the bag. What? Were the, <laughs> you were in the dryer. <laughs> No. Oh wow! Seriously? And the bag, oh. and the bag. That's weird. The little blue cozy that Jenny made was sitting on my dresser. Oh, somebody's messing with you. Yeah, <laughs> someone is messing with you. Isn't that crazy? That's After a, a year. After a year. After a year. I mean, and honestly, I had you know, it's the stuff that was in the dryer was stuff that I've washed and worn wow. dozens of times over in the in the past year okay but, chad know, says he blames monkey <laughs> it probably was Definitely monkey she probably yeah she can't get there she yeah very although tricky. i'm sure monkey she can't, can't even put get the up thing on the, the window dresser. seat i felt sorry yeah. for her yesterday because she wanted on the window seat in the worst way and oh she couldn't get up there <laughs> so, well that's that's very strange indeed well but i i what i thought and i didn't replace them 
Well, mm-hmm. no, I did. I replaced them, and my replacements went missing, too. Really? Um, and so what I wow. realized was on? that for some reason, I wasn't to use them at the time. Mm-hmm. But now that they've come back to me, I've decided I, I guess I have. I, I guess I can use them again. Sure. Sure. Well, interesting. Isn't that weird? It is. It's beyond <laughs> weird. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Well, you know, and I mean, this isn't like, you know, put two socks in the dryer, one sock comes out. It's it's not something like that. I set them on top of my dresser, and there were no clothes on top of my dresser. I mean, I've got a jewelry box on top of my dresser and a mirror, you know, just Mm -hmm. a couple of little things. Um, Nothing that it could have got caught up in. I searched the floor around. I searched through my drawers. I searched through all of my pockets. (laughs) <laughs> Elaine wants to know where the replacements are hiding. I, I don't know. <laughs> They'll turn up in the washer next year. They'll show up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great story. <laughs> Isn't that a weird story? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad they oh, came back. Well, I, have another, so. I have another story about my house since, you know, we have some time and we're just sort of gabbing. Cool. Okay. So, um... And I, I, maybe I've already told you guys this. If I did, just stop me. So about a month ago now, I got really scared of my back room, hmm. the where I do my jewelry and stuff. Okay. I couldn't go in there. I would go in there, and it would feel like this, just heavy. And I started seeing shadows flitting in the back room and stuff and I'd be standing and look down because you can look from my living room down the hall and um, the back room is the door at the end of the hall Mm -hmm. and you can look right into the room um, straight on and I would see shadows flitting through there and stuff and it was just really strange it started one day and then um, one night I mean and it had gone on for like a week and I finally went in there and I lit some sage and I lit some sweet grass and set it on the desk and walked down the hall and stood there and watched it go. And and then went afterwards, after it had all burned out, I went and took a, a salt, the sea salt bath and mm-hmm. it's been fine ever since. Shadows are gone. I don't feel that <gasps> when I go in there. I have oh no gosh. idea what, I don't know who came or why they were there, but... <laughs> God. But it wasn't very friendly. It d- doesn't sound like it, it. It it was you know because I don't ghosts don't freak me out particularly mm-hmm. others other than black eyed kids apparently. Mm-hmm. But uh. I mean it, that type of stuff doesn't scare me. It can startle me if it throws something at me in the dark, for instance. Um, well, yeah. yeah, you know things like that. But it doesn't normal. I I don't get scared. I'm not scared of it. Mm-hmm. But whatever that room, I was actually afraid to go in that room for for a period of several days before i thought this is ridiculous and finally lit something in there but i was i was seeing stuff oh and i and that was the other thing is that like i would go in and stuff that had been up on a shelf on the back of the shelf with other stuff in front of it would be on the floor across the room so i have a question do you think something could have followed you home on an investigation um you know that does happen Mm -hmm. um no so i think that People who can sense spirits Mm -hmm. attract them. Mm. And sometimes um, I, I, unless I can, I can turn myself off. Yeah. And I mean, because I had 25 years of practice doing that. And so I'm very good at blocking it and just ignoring it. And so they have to start doing crap to get Mm -hmm. my attention. 
And so sometimes we'll have stuff here, and until they do something, it just won't occur to me. And then as soon as they do something and something happens, I'm like, oh, well, they've been here for, I mean, and then I realize that they've mm-hmm. been here, and I've just, I've been blocking it. So theoretically, mm-hmm. a spirit could follow you from anywhere. I mean, not even necessarily an investigation. You could go to the grocery yeah. store and yeah, have yeah, someone absolutely. tag so along Elaine home. says that she has guys from Wellington who come to her house, and I believe her. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so yeah, they do. Or I, And I, I don't even think they have to follow you physically. Okay. I think that they can find your light. Mm-hmm. And they can they figure out that you can communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And of course, this was shortly after um, my my friend Etta had died as well, who was like a second mother yeah. to me. And so I was also, um, you know, I it, pretty I was pretty emotionally open and fragile at the time that this was all happening as well. Right. Um, with the the stuff in the back room, and I don't think it's tied into her death, other than that I was much more open than I usually am. Mm-hmm. Because usually I have that up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. I think that's possible. Oh, yeah. Jo- Jojo says that she thinks it was just a passerby. I, I mm. do, too. I do, too. But what it, whoever it was made me very uncomfortable. And I usually don't get that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, every once in a while, there will be a spirit that makes me uncomfortable because they've got a real dense energy to them. Yeah. But this was yeah. this was more than that. It was, a, it was like, um, if I, I can see the energy still... And I'm sorry when I describe these things, people think I sound absolutely nuts, so you just have to pardon me. But no. I can see, like, there's, um, like, a black mass that sort of um, dims out at the sides. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, the black curling smoke, almost like wisps of fog, but really dense black? Mm-hmm. Like that. Hmm. Yeah. It was it was a real uncomfortable energy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. That sounds really scary. Um, I have kind of a a, a similar story, and mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't even it wasn't even my ride along. It happened to my um, to my partner Amy. Ride along. <laughs> I, I call them ride alongs. Yeah. yeah. To 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 my partner um, Amy Hessian, who is like you know the Scully to my Mulder, and um, she has a considerable amount of abilities as well, and she is a magnet for spirits. Sunday night, uh, right before Amy had come over, in fact, she was bringing over a book that she got from an estate sale. It was Strange Visitors by Brad Steiger. And, um, yeah, it's really funny. So it's like we had just put Theo to bed, Jamie and I. Jamie was sitting at the computer at the kitchen table, and I was sitting on the couch. All of a sudden, out of my left ear, I hear, Rick. And it's it's a woman's voice. And the spirits in my house are male. We, I don't think we have any females. No, you have Mr. Rogers on the stairs and you have Paul. Yeah, exactly. And Paul was standing behind me when I said that yeah. earlier. He, I could hear him. He's like, ha I'm like, okay, thank you. Um, so for, but when Amy got there, it was like the uh, feeling of the spirit. I definitely got it was a female, um, middle-aged, um, older, obviously. She had like grayish, blackish hair. Um I could feel her presence. It was almost oppressive. And she wasn't, like, there to, like, you know, harm anybody. But um, I could definitely feel her presence there, like, standing right next to me the entire time. Yeah, and it's she like, was just really wound up. Yeah, she... she mm. But for whatever reason, and I don't understand why, because we had talked to a friend of ours that we, that we work with, uh, Kathy Lattice, who is an amazing 
spiritual medium. And um, she said that this was a spirit that Amy had picked up at a resale shop. Mm. And, yeah, she was coming around because her Amy and I were very connected. She was older, gray hair in a bun? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh my what? God. Do you guys just freak me out or what? <laughs> yes, she was. I, and, and, I, I and she not, was wearing well, a dress and a cardigan. I did not tell you this story. No. All right. Wait story. a minute. Is there shenanigans going on here? No. No. No, no I'm no, teasing. No. I know you guys wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. I mean, our reputation's right on this. But, um, yeah, ex- I did not tell you this story. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Amy had picked her up at a resale shop, and she knew that Amy and I were very connected. Amy's like a, Amy is the little sister that I've always wanted. You know, she's a very special Aww. friend to me. And um, basically, she was just curious about our friendship. And she, when Amy left that night, this woman had went back to Amy's house with her. Now... She was being very oppressive towards Amy, and Amy said that she's making was making her sad. I'm at work this morning, and I am sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear her say my name again. Yeah, she's still huh. around. She's like around you right now. I think I, yeah, yeah. I, I was definitely feeling something a little while yeah. earlier. I don't think she's there to harm anybody. I just think mm-hmm. she's really curious about who Amy and I are. No, she. You you remind her of her children. Oh, okay. Well, hi, mom. <laughs> so I mean, it's just you know, it's it's not wow. something that yeah, you know, she's not she's not ups- she's she's um she's kind of wound up. Yeah, I yeah yeah. I mean, when she was standing behind me, I, I maybe maybe oppressive is the wrong word, but like her energy, like because you said the energy dense. was dense. dense. Her energy was very very dense, and it was no. Her very energy w- is it's not dense; it's agitated. There's a difference. Dense okay. is All heavy. Right. She's I have, agitated. I have a question. So what is she agitated about? I don't I, I don't have that for you because I'm not really good at doing things really far away but I okay. can I mean I can see her and feel her and she's agitated. Yeah. So how do, yeah. how does this information come to you Karen? <laughs> um <laughs> gee, that's a good question. It depends. Um, cuz it seems so very I, clear to you. All of it. it, seems it yeah, very clear. well I saw her. Okay. Visually? Um, in my head. In your head? So okay. sometimes I see her, I feel their energy. So everybody has a vibration to me. So you feel different to me than Rick feels, than Jim feels, mm-hmm. than my mother feels, and everybody has a feel to them. And so, like, if I get a certain, say, like, um, you know how you n- know that the phone's going to ring and it's going to be your mother, for yeah. instance? Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's because you're picking up on a vibration that is your mother's vibration. Mm-hmm. Your mother feels differently to you than your sister, for instance, or your son, correct? Mm-hmm, Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's, I get the sense of those vibrations. Um, when I say agitated or heavy, it's a, it's like an itch inside of me mm-hmm. or a weight inside of me. Um, but we, it's but like you, if I were agitated, mm-hmm. I, I feel their emotions. I feel their okay. physicality. I feel like if they're in pain and physically, if they had a heart attack. I had the time where we had a client and I walked into the, I walked into her bedroom and the room started to spin. And I, all I could feel was like the room spin drop black. The room spin drop black. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a picture, and I s- asked her about it. And she said it was my stepmother's. And I said, did she die of s- something to the head, like a stroke? She was like, yes, she died of oh, a stroke. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's that yeah. amazes me because you even knew she had a bun. Well, I and saw her like, bun. Okay. Y- there's just there. There's no way. It's kind of a messy bun. I mean. <laughs> 
it's a messy, a messy bun. bun. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I wow. do get that. I do get that sense, like you said. I mean, that it's very dense. But yeah, I guess you could say I get I get more of frustration rather than agitation. Yeah, but it's see, but it's interesting, and we only have a couple minutes. But I know other people. Like I have a friend um, who she sees symbols. So if a dead person comes up to her, mm-hmm. she might see um, somebody she knew. Mm-hmm. And that's that person's name, the name of the dead person. Ah. But it's linked with something she know. Or she might see a gavel, and that's her sign for maybe that there was a, a court trial involved or things like that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, because it seems like, I mean, psychic, certain psychics can see things in different ways. And I find it really interesting because some see, see symbols. But but then others see really specific information down to names and Mm -hmm. appearances and just it just blows me away. Well, the other thing I get is that I get downloads of information where suddenly I just know crap. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, And that's actually one of my biggest ones is I just know stuff. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and I am I am a little bit clairaudient, but not as clairaudient as other things. But I'll hear like voices and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So um, what do we have next week? Because we just have a minute. Oh, we just okay. We have. By the way, thanks to Brad Steiger. Um, it yes, was an amazing interview. I I really hope he yeah. can join us again because I just I can't wait to hear more. Next week on October twenty fourth, we have author Bill Be- Bean joining us. He's the author of Dark Force. He will talk about a haunting that he endured and some things that he's working on now. I know he has a movie that's um, I think uh, in in production or maybe has wrapped up. Okay, we got to jump to November 7th. That's Dr. Raymond Woo-hoo! Moody, folks. Come back, join us for part two. Send us your That's questions. Right, questions. And then we're going to talk some UFOs on November 14th with Bruce Pearson. Sweet. And That's then wrapping handy. up November, November 21st, we will be talking some uh, uh, afterlife, uh, near-death experience, um, life between lives, hypnosis with Bryn yes. Blankenship. Yep, and I've had that done. I love talking mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, good stuff. I should have good that stuff. done. I'm, I'm, you totally I'm, should. The life between life stuff, the past life stuff is interesting, but the life between life stuff is transformative. It is. It is. It's crazy. Yeah, it's transformative. Oh my gosh! It's yeah, amazing. unbelievable. Okay, so we are. Go ahead, Rick. I was just going to say, Nancy is always telling me that she wants to do a past life, but I said to her, I'm like, I'm afraid I was a serial killer. She's like, No, you. Were, <laughs> it doesn't matter. She's like, she's like, she's like, you were, you were a warrior. Like, yeah. I'm down with that. There you go. It doesn't matter if you were. I mean, yeah. everybody has lives where they have lives of virtue and where they have lives of being just jackwads. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's how we learn. <laughs> so that being said, I'm, I'm leaving it on jackwads. Jackwads. Um, okay. So come back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Hey, it's been great having you with us tonight. Brad was amazing. Paranormal mm. Underground Radio on the Hey Z Radio Network. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio? Email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at paranormalunderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. <laughs>